You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, Blake Wheeler trade talk. Is it viable? What are some comparables? And which teams could be in the mix for the Jets captain? Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Happy Canada Day, everybody. Hope you guys are enjoying the long weekend, maybe with a cold one or 20, maybe down by the lake. However you're celebrating Canada Day, have a safe and awesome time. So since it's a holiday, let's get right into this one here. It It is still weird to me that you know, July 1st pops up, but we're not getting ready for the start of Free Agent Frenzy. It's been so programmed for so long that it just feels odd. But instead of looking at the big news from the Frenzy, we're going to take a deep dive into one of the first big news bombs of the NHL offseason. And that would involve the Winnipeg Jets. And that would be Blake Wheeler reportedly being put on the trade block by Kevin Dayoff. We mentioned... Last episode, Frank Saravelli put Wheeler third on his trade bait board and reported the Jets are gauging the trade market around the league for their current captain. Now, in our last episode, I went through essentially what this means for the team. And, and for me, it's the ultimate sign that the Jets are focused first and foremost on creating a culture shift inside that locker room. And the only way they can do that is by moving out the current leadership group specifically Wheeler and Mark Shifley. But instead of focusing on that, because we already touched on it, I thought we should take a look at what a potential Blake Wheeler trade could look like and whether or not the Jets can find a willing dance partner. Because, let's face it, everybody's got their opinions on what the Jets should do with their captain. But to me, there's a lot more intrigue as to what that could actually look like if it does come to fruition. Now, the fascinating part in doing a bit of research on this, a.k.a. Googling for 10 minutes, is that this is a pretty unprecedented situation in NHL history if the Jets decide to go the trade route. Because first off, by my count, there have been less than 20 instances in NHL history where a team has traded their current captain. And if you look at those situations, the large majority of those involved a player, a captain that was a pending UFA or one year away from free agency, right? So 
a guy that was either on the way out or soon to be, and they wanted to get something for nothing. There have been very, very few captains with term that have been shipped out, even if it's just two years, like Wheeler's. On top of that, though, not only do you not have a whole lot of captains in league history being traded, there haven't been a ton of instances either where a player making over $8 million has ever been traded before. Right, So it's it's difficult to find a comparable to the situation that the Jets have put themselves in right now uh, in the salary cap era, because really that's the only applicable uh, timeline when it comes to specifically, you know, cap hits and, and salary caps. I've got six guys that have been moved with a cap hit of over $8 million, which is surprising. Like you would think that there would be a little more movement over the last 15 or so years, but that hasn't been the case with guys making a ton of dough. There's obviously been a lot of players that have been traded and then immediately signed a long-term deal worth over $8 million, but very few with a cap hit that big that have been moved. Two of those six were deadline pickups, Claude Giroux and Eric Stahl. Then you have the the, the Subban Weber trade, which is its own animal. Um, Phil Kessel from Toronto to Pittsburgh. So that's four of the six there. Jack Eichel was maybe the biggest one of the bunch in season. And then the final one, and the only one here that I think is somewhat comparable to Blake Wheeler and the Jets would be last offseason, the Philadelphia Flyers trading Jake Voracek to Columbus for Cam Atkinson. Now, interestingly, both Voracek and Wheeler have the same cap hit. They both make $8.25 million per season. So it is kind of a tidy, neat comparison here when they're both making the same amount of money. Um, Atkinson made $5.8 million on the cap. At the time of the trade, Voracek had three years left. Atkinson had four years left. Now, Voracek is a few years younger than Wheeler, but... At the very least, this gives us a bit of an idea as to what the trade might look like. If it was more of like a salary swap type deal, a a pure hockey trade, you know what I mean? Like this is kind of in the realm of what the Winnipeg Jets would be looking at. You could debate, is Voracek more valuable, is Wheeler, whatever. But, you know, maybe there's a team out there that likes Blake Wheeler's game, sees that there's only two more years left on that deal, and thinks, say, you know, we're in a win-now situation. Let's make a move. We got a guy that's got three years left on his deal, and it's kind of a perfect comparable between the two there. So I don't know necessarily if there's a guy out there that's got three years left on his deal with a lower cap hit than Blake Wheeler does right now. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't, but that might be somewhere in the ballpark of what we're looking at. Now, if the Jets were simply doing this as a salary cap dump, you know, we're just, we're we're getting rid of the captain. That $8 million is tough to, to find a suitor on a contending team. We're just doing this purely as a salary cap dump to open up some space. There are some few recent comparables, obviously, because a lot of teams are starting to go this route when it comes to clearing up cap space. Unfortunately, it's going to cost the Jets a pretty penny to, to get something like that done. Recent comparables. Pavel Datsuk, who was kind of like retired, not really retired, but everybody knew he was never going to play for the Red Wings again. So Detroit, at the draft a few years back, traded Pavel Datsuk and his one-year $7.5 million contract, along with the 20th overall pick and the 53rd overall pick, 
to the Arizona Coyotes for the 16th overall selection. So essentially, Datsuk's contract, a first and a second to Arizona for a first. So if we're looking at, and it's a little difficult too, because Arizona obviously wanted to get to the cap floor in that situation. So they maybe were a little more aggressive in finding a way to get that player, that cap it onto their roster. But in that situation, one year, 7.5 million, essentially cost the Red Wings a mid to early second round pick. Patrick Marlowe, a few years back with the Maple Leafs, had one year, $6.25 million left on his deal. He was traded to Carolina straight up for a first-round pick. The Leafs gave up a first-round pick to ship out one year, $6.25 million. And then to top it all off, we go back to the Arizona Coyotes once again. And Blake Wheeler's best bud, Andrew Ladd, with two years, $5.5 million, was traded to the Coyotes for two second-round picks as well as a conditional third-round pick. So when you look at those recent scenarios... If I had to take a guess and the Jets simply wanted to move the cap hit out, they couldn't find a willing suitor that was, you know, able to give up basically anything. Best case scenario, the Jets are giving up a second round pick to get rid of Blake Wheeler. I think the more realistic option would be that it's going to cost the Jets their second first round pick in this year's draft. I think that would be the price they'd have to pay if they wanted to fully get rid of that full $8.25 million cap hit. I don't know how many people are necessarily excited about that, but that's probably a realistic ask in terms of what that trade might look like. Now, there is a third option. We mentioned the two trade options there of what a deal might look like, but there is a third route that Winnipeg Jets can take if they so choose to do that, and that would be a buyout, right? If, if, if the Jets are so motivated to move on from Blake Wheeler and have him out of the organization, they can't find a willing suitor. Maybe a bio is the perfect way to go for the Jets. And it's not an especially costly one, which is kind of surprising when you're dealing with somebody with a cap at over $8 million. But what a buyout would look like is this. The first year, the Winnipeg Jets would be charged just $4 million for that buyout. The second year, they would only be charged roughly three and a half million dollars on the cap from that buyout so year one they essentially gain four million dollars in cap space from buying out wheeler year two they gain 5.75 million dollars on the cap that's then followed in years three and four with a 2.45 million dollar cap charge for the winnipeg jets so essentially you get a little bit of breathing room in the here and now but Three and four years down the road, you get hit with $2.45 million in the cap. Now, is this, should this even be an option for the Jets, right? Like, should they even think about going the buyout route when you're eating dead money in a couple of years on the salary cap? It, it really depends on what the Jets' plans are, isn't it, right? Like, if, if they're planning on kind of doing a complete U-turn here, and going rebuild, reload, whatever you want to call it. But if they're moving out, say, Wheeler, Shifley, Hellebuck, and then maybe Dubois, obviously they're not planning on contending these next couple of seasons. It wouldn't make sense if that was the case to buy out Blake Wheeler. Because you just, hey, we'll, we'll do whatever it takes to, to potentially get him out of here, but we don't want a cap charge three or four years down the road. But if you are looking to contend or get back into the playoffs or be a competitive team, 
right away here, then maybe the buyout is the way to go. Because three, four years down the road, with Hellebuck and Shifley and, and whoever else might be gone when their contracts come to an end, you're not as worried about what's going to happen in years three and four. So when you look at the three options that are available to the Winnipeg Jets here in this situation, it, it's kind of tough to pick which one is the preferred option, which one's the favorite, because there's still a whole lot of unknowns when it comes to Blake Wheeler trade talk. The main one being just how highly valued he is around the NHL, right? Like, there's there's going to be some teams that will look at Wheeler in the contract and will just say there's absolutely no way. But there might be, I, I don't know the number, there might be a handful of teams that look at Wheeler and say, hey, this is a guy that, sure, he's making $8 million, but... On pace for 70 points this past season, leadership abilities, power forward, vets, all these intangibles that a lot of teams seem to put focus on, they might look at a guy like that and and view him as, you know, maybe not quite the missing piece to put us over the top, but maybe somebody that, you know, in tandem with another player can help take this team to the next level. You know what I mean? It's, It's a completely different trade talk between guy that can help us get there as opposed to we're taking him on as a salary dump to acquire some assets to help us assuming that we're we're trying to rebuild here. So so that that's why it's a little difficult here. But essentially what it boils down to for me is this. I'd be open to a trade that included somebody with term coming back the other way assuming it is either 1 2 or 3 years in length and the cap hit is less than what Blake Wheeler is making right now. I, I'd be okay with that, depending on the player coming back. I wouldn't want anybody more than than four or five years, though. Um, as far as if it was more of a salary cap dump move, I'm not giving up either of my first-round picks. That's a complete non-starter. Too, too valuable, whether it's to build up the prospect pool or you know to, to use it a potential trade to beef up the team. A second rounder, like, yeah, I, I guess so. I, I, would, I wouldn't be overly thrilled with that. You know, even even if it was just a second rounder to move on from Blake Wheeler, maybe that's then the sweet spot as to what it might cost for the Winnipeg Jets. I, I just, I wouldn't give up a whole lot more than that. I wouldn't give up any, any prospects of note either. Just because... The third option that I mentioned, the buyout, is is not super putative to the Winnipeg Jets. If if it comes down to it where you're going to have to give up, even if it's your late first round pick or a decent prospect, if if I really want to part with the captain, I'm I'm just going to go the buyout route, and we have a two million dollar, a little over two million dollar cap hit, three and four years down the road. I I I can stomach that as opposed to giving up somebody that might be able to help me right away here. So that that's kind of how I envision this scenario playing out if the Jets were go, were to go down any one of those three routes. Now that's got a part one here. P- part two is which of the teams in the NHL might be the ones in the mix to potentially acquire a guy like Blake Wheeler? Contending teams, rebuilding teams, is there a best fit out there? I, I think there just might be. So we'll get to the teams that could find themselves in the Wheeler trade sweepstakes in just a second here. But first, I do want to give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The Stanley Cup has been handed out, but there's still a chance for you to win big by the time next season rolls around because not only does DraftKings have same-game parlays where you can turn a small bet into a big payday, 
but you can also take advantage of a big-time deal anytime with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. All right, so who were the teams that would be in the mix to acquire somebody like Blake Wheeler? It's it's kind of a select few, right? Because while there are some contending teams, some playoff teams that I'm sure would love to have him in the mix, obviously fitting $8 million into the salary cap is not going to be an, an easy squeeze for, for pretty much every team out there. But I was able to grab a few that I think we could see Wheeler potentially moved on to if the Jets do decide to trade their current captain. And I've conveniently bucketed them into two different categories here. The first one is probably the more unrealistic option, but it's something that I think is still on the table. The other one is, I think, actual landing spots that we could see Blake Wheeler go to. And the first category that we'll take a look at quickly here, and earmuffs for for any kids that are listening, but I didn't really have a great way to put it other than these are shitty teams with cap space. (laughs) Teams that are starting or in the midst of their rebuild that have a ton of money to burn, some spots open on their roster as well, but they're not anywhere close to contending just yet. So that would be the Buffaloes, the Arizonas, the Anaheims. You could maybe even throw in the Red Wings as well, although they're getting... A little bit closer, but hey, maybe they feel like a guy like Wheeler with, with two years left would be a nice bridge as they get closer and closer to being a playoff team once again, right? But teams that are in that mold, these are clubs that maybe a miracle breaks their way and they contend for a bubble spot, but they're not going to be anywhere near the final rounds of the of the Stanley Cup playoffs. These are unlikely mainly because Blake Wheeler holds a no-trade clause. I mean, he's got a no-movement clause as of right now, after July 1, I believe, it's changed into a five-team list of teams that he'd be willing to trade be traded to. But essentially, what all this means is that Blake Wheeler just controls his destiny. If he wants to go to a spot, he'll go there. If he doesn't want to go somewhere, he'll stay here in Winnipeg. Now, while these ones are unlikely, and, and it sounds silly to say this on the surface, there is a slight possibility that maybe, just maybe a deal could be hashed out between the Jets and the Arizona Coyotes. And I know Blake Wheeler has spurned the Coyotes once before in his career. That was the Phoenix Coyotes, though. This is Arizona, completely different thing. But the reason why Arizona is is maybe the slightest of chance out of all those teams with a ton of cap space is his best friend Andrew Ladd is on the team right now. Andrew Ladd's got one year left on his deal. You wonder if maybe, just maybe... You could convince Blake Wheeler and say, look, you can play a full season with your best friend and Andrew Ladd. And then the year after that, the Coyotes are going to ship you to a contending team either before the year or at the trade deadline. And you can go chase a Stanley Cup then. In the meantime, you get some warm weather. A lot of people like living in Arizona. I don't know. I, I there, There's at least a smidgen of a chance that the Coyotes, uh, for, for me, they'd be the clubhouse leader at least out of the, the teams that have a ton of cap space but aren't anywhere close to the playoff line as of just yet. But there are some teams, and these are one, two, three, four, five. There's six teams that I have here as 
competitive options, I guess. Teams that at least could sell themselves as either playoff teams because they have made it or playoff teams because they've got a chance to get back in there as soon as next season. So why don't we start with, let's start with the one everybody's been talking about. That, that would be the Florida Panthers, obviously with Paul Maurice being named the head coach there. A lot of people are connecting the dots that, hey, this is a pretty, this is a pretty easy fix here. <laughs> you reunite Wheeler with Paul Maurice and everybody's happy and good to go. And the other name being tossed around would be Patrick Hornfist. Hornfist has a year left on his contract at $5.3 million, so the salaries don't quite match up. Maybe the Jets retained a bit of salary. That That's at least the thinking from a lot of people right now, that you could reunite Wheeler and Maurice, you take on Hornfist for one year, and the Winnipeg Jets can move forward from that point on. I, I just don't, I really don't see the logic in doing this if you're the Florida Panthers. The main reason being, I, I mean, I believe they're going to do whatever it takes to get out of Patrick Hornfist's contract for for one more year. I I just don't see why they would do that, but then take on additional money and then do so for an extra year on top of that. When they're trying to re-sign Claude Giroux, they're trying to re-sign Mason Marchment, maybe even Ben Sherrod as well. There's no cap space there to begin with. On top of that, next season, Mackenzie Wieger and Jonathan Huberto are both due for massive, massive pay raises and having Wheeler's $8 million on the Bucks to me, it, it just doesn't make much sense. So I, I know the fit is kind of seamless when you look at the two teams there. I, I, I just don't really see why the Panthers would go down this route at the potential cost of losing a guy like Ekblad, or sorry, a guy like Uyghur or Huberto, or maybe they have to give up somebody else on their team because of Wheeler's hefty salary. So I don't, I don't really see the Florida thing happening. Some other ones that I have here that are in the mix, but I'm kind of meh on. Um, Dallas. I mentioned Dallas because they have $19 million in cap space, and they love their veteran players. <laughs> that, that's that, that's kind of that, that's what we're looking for here when we're trying to find a team that would be willing to take on Blake Wheeler. There's a different one that I think is a better fit, but Dallas is definitely a team that is not shy on bringing in guys that are 34, 35, 36. On top of that, too... I believe GM Jim Nill said that he is going to be the general manager for the team for two more years, and then he'll hand things off to somebody else in the organization. Kind of a convenient time frame where if you're looking to contend for two more years, well, Blake Wheeler's contract runs for two more years. Maybe you could take that on. But the reason why I don't think that is a good fit for Wheeler is that, yes, Dallas has $19 million in cap space, but who do they have to sign? Oh, yes. Uh, Robertson and Jake Ottinger. And that right there might take care of, what, 15 to $16 million of your $19 million in cap space, and there's there's not really a whole lot left over to do much of anything after that. So I, I'll, I'll mention Dallas just because they've got some space and they like their veterans. But again, this is, to me, kind of like Florida. Not not sure that the, the fit is perfect between those two clubs at the very least. So that leaves four more. I, I guess the other one, too, that I'll just mention quickly uh, they would be more so in the Dallas, Florida side of things. But um, the Nashville Predators also have a ton of cap space, a lot of cap space. And that will be true, especially if Philip Forsberg goes off to greener pastures. Because as it stands right now, the Nashville Predators, as I check good old cap friendly, have $21 million in cap space. And they've got 19 players on their roster. Like they've 
pretty much got a full roster to work with. In theory, they could sign Philip Forsberg and acquire Blake Wheeler on top of it. Um, I, I just don't know if the Preds want to go that route necessarily. They also don't have... They don't have contracts that I think they would be looking to move to take on somebody like Blake Wheeler, especially after Duchesne and Johansson had such massive years for them. I, I don't think, again, this is a good fit for what the Jets are looking for, but certainly a team at the very least to keep an eye on just because when you have that much cap space, you're certainly going to be involved in potentially acquiring a big salary piece. So that leaves us three teams, and these to me would be the three most likeliest teams that would get in on a potential Blake Wheeler trade. And I'll go I'll, I'll go in descending order here. So we've got our top three. I'll start at number three. And we talked about this team back when we looked into a potential Mark Shifley trade. And that would be the Los Angeles Kings. May, may, maybe we can make a dream thing happen. And it's a Shifley-Wheeler package heading to LA for Quinton Byfield coming back here. And everybody's happy. Away we go. That's it, right? That, that would be the dream scenario. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but... We, it's a really poorly kept secret that the LA Kings are trying to add a few pieces at the very least, build off a, a really impressive, I guess, renaissance season after they went into their mini rebuild. Just under a shade under $12 million in cap space, they could certainly take on a contract like Blake Wheeler's. Don't know if they necessarily have one that they would like to send back. I mean, Jonathan Quick is maybe the one they'd like to get rid of, but it's kind of redundant with Connor Hellebuck here. Not so sure that that would be that would be the way that the LA Kings would want to go about this. I I don't love 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 the Kings as a Wheeler trade suitor, but again, I think they have to be mentioned here. To me, that's a much more likely Mark Shifley landing spot than it would be a Blake Wheeler landing spot. That brings us down to the final two teams here. And these ones, I think, are legitimate, legitimate options and, and teams we might see get into the nitty-gritty of a trade for the Jets captain. My number two team in this is the New Jersey Devils. They'll be followed by a team inside the Metro Division as well. But I got the New, the New Jersey Devils as one of the most likely spots that Blake Wheeler could find himself in for next season. They've got $25 million in cap space as it stands right now. Yes, they have Jesper Bratt to sign, unless they trade him, apparently. And then Bratt's probably going to make a, a decent five, six, seven million dollars in change on that. They got to bring a goalie in. I, I get all that. Everybody knows the Devils are trying to get super, super aggressive and build a more competitive team around Jack Hughes and around Nico Hishier. And, and the Devils don't really have a whole lot of veterans on their roster as it stands right now. They've got. If you can believe this, they've got one guy over the age of 30 right now. That's signed for next season. Everybody else, early 20s and a few guys that are 27 years old. But they they don't have a whole lot in the way of experience on their roster. And so that's why when you look at what the Devils have right now, they're pretty solid down the middle with Hughes and Heesher and, and, and Zaka if he stays as well. They're definitely looking for help out there on the wings. They, they're probably going to take a run at Johnny Gaudreau. They're going to take a run at Kevin Fiala as well. But if those options don't pan out, then maybe the next best thing would be Blake Wheeler coming in for two years. And it, and it kind of fits in well with a rebuilding team like the Devils, right? Where, you know, they, they don't want to, I imagine, commit a ton of term to a guy like Blake Wheeler. But if he's around for two years to guide this Devils team back towards the path to the playoffs, 
then, then maybe it is a nice fit between Blake Wheeler and the New Jersey Devils. And conveniently, if the Devils are looking to shed a little bit of salary, the guy that they could be looking to move in terms of trying to make the salary work a little bit each way is their only player that's over the age of 30. And that's Tomas Tatar. Tatar's got one year left on his contract at $4.5 million. So you look at the Voracek-Atkinson trade last year, and it's not a perfect comparison, but there's some similarities there, right? Where you give up a guy with a big salary, you take back maybe a lesser player at a lesser salary. Maybe the Jets have to throw in a pick or a pro- whatever it may be, but that's kind of the building block of a trade. Wheeler to New Jersey, Tatar comes back to Winnipeg. You figure out the picks and the prospects after that. But this, this to me, is one of the two teams that makes a lot of sense that could get into the sweepstakes if guys like Goudreau and Fiala go elsewhere. And hey, would you look at that? I, I'm actually recording this on a Wednesday. Kevin Fiala's just been traded to the LA Kings. So let's let's wipe the Kings off the Blake Wheeler trade list here. Uh, that, that might make the New Jersey Devils even more apt to get into this on the Wheeler side of things because if Goudreau and Forsberg go elsewhere, there might not be a whole lot left for them to tangle with. Interesting. Very interesting. I wonder if that takes the Kings out of the... Mark Shifley sweepstakes as well, but we'll we'll talk about that for another show. Now, the final team here is the team that I have as the most likely to get in on a Blake Wheeler trade. It may or may not surprise you, but I mentioned that trying to find teams that were veteran-friendly, <laughs> clubs that aren't afraid to sign, acquire, Bring on guys over the age of, never mind 30, but 34, 35, 36. And a GM that that does love his veterans and isn't afraid to make an aggressive move as well. And for me, the number one team that's most likely to acquire Blake Wheeler is the New York Islanders. Yes. We've seen Lou lose his mind once already, fired Barry Trotz this offseason. Why not go one step further into insanity and acquire Blake Wheeler, right? But I, I, I think, again, similar to, to Brady on Zach Parise and Sedano Chara this past season, acquiring guys like Kyle Palmieri and signing them to long-term deals, Lou loves vets. He loves, loves, loves guys that have been around the block and have gotten it done big time at the NHL level. And Blake Wheeler would certainly kind of fit the mold of a player that Lou Lamorello would be looking for. They've got $12 million in cap space as well. The Islanders do. Noah Dobson being the big RFA up for grabs there. So, you know, not not a ton of space to work with, but a little bit of space for Lou Lamorello to work with. This would definitely be a trade that if Wheeler were to go to the Islanders, there'd have to be some salary coming back. Now, fortunately, in this situation, there's, there's a few candidates that the Winnipeg Jets could look at bringing on. And when we talk about the Voracek-Atkinson deal being a bit of a a path to follow here, it it really conveniently works in this case because Kyle Palmieri has three years left on his deal at $5 million. So if you remember, Voracek, when the trade happened, three years left at 8.25, Atkinson, four years left at 5.8, I believe. In this situation, Wheeler, two years, 8.25. Paul Mary, three years, $5 million. Like, there, there might be something to maneuver there 
if Kevin Sheveldayoff wanted to go down this route, right? I mean, on top of that, too, there's Josh Bailey. Josh Bailey, 32 years old, Palmieri, 31. Uh, Bailey also a $5 million cap hit with just two years left to go on his deal. So mirroring Blake Wheeler's term. You do wonder if if Lou was looking to maybe shake up the composition of his roster, if he'd be willing to take on somebody like Blake Wheeler. Maybe there needs to be a bit of salary retained in this deal. I, I, I don't know. But to me, when I look at how trades like this have happened in the past, this to me makes a lot of sense. And I can definitely envision a scenario if the Jets can convince Blake Wheeler, if Lou can convince Blake Wheeler to waive his no movement clause, that this seems to be the one where all the pieces fit. That the Jets trade Wheeler to the Islanders for either Kyle Palmieri or Josh Bailey. I mean, hell, Brock Nelson or Anders Lee would be nice. I just don't see any way that's happening. But one of those two players, and then maybe a piece or two, maybe some retained salary there. And the Jets don't have to give up a major sweetener in a trade like that. That, that to me, would be something that I could see being somewhat of a possibility. Well, it happened. Well, we'll just have to wait and find out. But at least I feel like now we've got a bit of a better sense of what that trade could possibly look like and what could be coming back the Winnipeg Jets way if they do decide to make quite possibly the most seismic move that they've made in their franchise history so far trading their current captain. Let me know what you think, though. Do the Islanders and Devils make a ton of sense? Is there a different team out there that you think could be a potential Blake Wheeler landing spot, or should the captain just stay? Should should all this talk be a bunch of crap, and you run it back with this similar forward group next season and, and see what a new coach can do? Let me know on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Would love to know your Wheeler takes on this. Would love to know where you think he might be ending up and if the Islanders and Devils make the most sense out of all the teams that I listed here in the NHL. But that'll do it for the episode here. It's time to enjoy Canada Day, everybody. Thank you so much for stopping by and listening. We'll get back at it on Tuesday morning. What are we going to talk about? Well, I imagine there's going to be more than just fireworks here in Canada for Canada Day. There's going to be some moves and some wheeling and dealing in the NHL. So we'll get to all the latest updates and rumors when we get back at this on Tuesday morning. But until then... Enjoy the long weekend, everybody. Stay safe and have a great time out there. And thank you for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Verwicki. Peace.